Hello, everyone. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reith, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, manifestation, and entrepreneurship. Today, we're basically going to be covering all of those as I'm going to be talking about Australia updates and dropping my ego. If you're a first-time listener, I moved to Australia last August, so I'm almost on the full year here, which is wild. It's just flown by, and I usually give Australia updates in the beginning of the podcast, and there have been a billion in the last two weeks. I actually wasn't even able to record an episode last week because of all the traveling and all the hecticness that was going on, so I will update you on that and everything that is happening here, what my plans are next, how coronavirus is going, where I'm staying. I'll give a full rundown. And I'll also talk about my mindset journey and coaching. Expanding on that, actually, I think it's a good time to talk about my masterclass because there's only two spots left. It is called From Stuck to Secure as Fuck. We're going to be going over parts of the brain, what your ego actually is, your subconscious, your conscious, neural pathways. I really like to mix evidence-based frameworks and science and psychology into all my work because I know as humans we need to see proof we need evidence we need facts we need you know the results shown to us so I really like to show that piece of that the psychology in my work while also combining the fun spirituality manifestation elements because manifestation I think the word itself actually sounds like some magical word. It's super mystical. I I don't think people really understand what it is. If you Google the definition, it literally is just to bring your thoughts into reality, making your thoughts tangible and becoming things. So that's what the masterclass is going to be focusing on is how can we do that? What are tools that we can use? What are mindset shifts that we can practice? What are things that you can apply beyond the masterclass that you could do every day so you start seeing your manifestations become a reality? So that's what the masterclass is going to be about. Like I said, there's only two spots left. I'm very intentionally keeping it small because I don't want it to be a billion people on the call. I want people to be able to ask questions and get their questions answered and feel like they're part of the discussion and understand what's going on versus having 50 people on the call and it being a total circus. I really don't want that. So the link is in my Instagram bio at Chelsea Rife. And you can also just shoot me a DM. You can be part of my Facebook group, which is Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life. I can add you to that. Just shoot me a DM as well. And you can always write into the podcast, hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. Something that's really interesting about the masterclass is there was a course I was going to announce right after it, and I still am, but there's already seven spots sold, which is really wild because this goes into the the topic of living in alignment and trusting yourself and dropping your ego, which I'll get into in a second. But experts and marketing experts and business coaches have very specific formulas and outlines and ways to do things. And that makes sense. I followed a lot of them. That's a lot of what my investments have been in is things like this, how to launch a masterclass, how to develop a framework, how to, you know, warm up your audience. I've learned so much from these courses However, I also know that I need to trust myself and my energy and my intuition. So, you know, the goal was after the masterclass, then I would announce the course, try to fill out the course, then announce my one-on-one coaching. And it's all been very backwards in a good way. I've actually gotten more inquiries about my one-on-one coaching. I've had multiple people sign up for the course that I've barely announced and the masterclass is almost sold out. So it's gone pretty backwards in terms of the formula. And I'm not telling you this to be braggadocious. I feel like I, I want to preface that all the time. If I'm ever telling you something about my numbers or my success or my signups, and so you can understand that this isn't as hard as we make it seem. I was very much a person, especially three months ago, that was so overwhelmed about, well, you know, I think I could do this, but how am I going to sell? How am I going to get an audience? Strangers won't buy from me. No one's going to invest their time and energy. I don't even have an offer. I don't have a package. I don't have a way to work with me. Constantly bringing stuff up that I just was hindering myself from moving forward. And the more that I was like, you know what? Put your offer out there. See what happens. Just talk about what you know. Talk about what you're passionate about. I already talk about this stuff all the time for free on my podcast and my Facebook group anyways. So why not just turn this into a bit more structured course and have a community around it where you can offer guidance and support. See what happens. So I did that. Started talking about it. And what happened is people saw it and wanted to come invest and work with me. And that was insane to see because it's like I had to show myself that that was possible 
if I didn't do that, I know for a fact I would still be just like doing absolutely nothing, sitting around, not launching anything, like completely a prisoner of my own thoughts. And I would have just been sitting there, like I said, doing absolutely nothing. So I just wanted to share that like our vision of success is not always what it seems. Like in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll sell the masterclass of 20, spot, 20 spots, then I'll offer this and everyone will sign up in 10 days, then it will be this process and then I'll move to a one-on-one premium signature program, blah, 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 blah. No, it hasn't happened like that. And in a way, I'm glad it hasn't happened like that because it allows me to adjust and look at what type of work I want to do. I'm going to do a whole podcast on something called you're allowed to change your mind because I have changed my mind so many times this year on what I want to do. And I finally have landed on this is my actual purpose and passion. But I used to think, oh, well, if I'm in this one lane, I just have to stay there. Like if I was a sales rep back in America, I just have to stay a sales rep. If I was a yoga teacher and was teaching yoga for a little bit, well, then I just have to stay a yoga teacher. If I started teaching meditation, well, then I can only teach meditation. If I start doing mindset one-on-one coaching, then I can only do mindset one-on-one coaching. And that's just not true. You are allowed to change your mind knowing that whatever you're changing your mind into is going to serve your clients best. So that's something I'm learning is I'm changing my mind because I want my clients to get the best possible outcome from me using my energy my knowledge my time I don't want to be doing things that I don't want to be doing because that's going to shine in my work I don't I wouldn't even say shine it's going to come out in my work and clients are going to be upset because it's something I don't want to be doing so yes I'm going to do a whole podcast on changing your mind but I definitely want to get into dropping your ego and the specific Australia updates I have so if you guys have been listening, I lived, I lived in Broome over in Western Australia. It's like the total outback. It looks like Mars. It's gorgeous. And I was there to try to get a second year visa. When you come over here from on um, the working holiday visa and you're American or a specific country that has the 462 visa, that's what I have, you can do hospitality or tourism for 88 days in a specific zip code to get a second year visa. However, because of COVID, everything shut down. So the place that I was going to work to acquire that visa completely shut down. I could not work there. It was totally out of my hands. I thought that the government would give me an extension. They did not, and I don't think they will. So I do not have the option to get a second year visa. So when that reality started to set in, I was like, okay, well, I'm just sitting in this house. I was being an au pair, and I'm not going to get a second year visa. So what am I going to do? I have basically a few months here to kill time. Am I just going to sit around and catch up on like every Netflix show possible? Am I going to start a business? Am I going to do like, I I had no idea. And that's when I actually started this whole business, Rife Media and mindset coaching and manifestation coaching. And it's turned out to be such a, uh, it's such a vision that I had that I thought would take literally six plus months. And it's almost shocking to see how quickly it's come into my reality. But that's because it was something I wanted so deeply for so long. So it's like it finally had manifested itself. But I was in Broome and when I was sitting there and the reality hits that, yeah, you're not going to be able to get your 88 days. You know, what are you going to do for work? That's when I was faced with this reality of like, yeah, Chelsea, what are you going to do? You can't just be sitting around. I left Broome with about one month left on my visa. So I'm on a year long visa and I'm on month, like this will be month 12. So I knew, well, if I have to fly back, I at least want to go back to Sydney where I started all these adventures and say bye to everyone. I lived in Bondi Beach for six months. So I was like, I would love to go back, say bye to everybody, just hang out for one more month in Sydney and fly home. Well, as I was thinking of coming back, I was like, well, why would I stay in Sydney? I was there for six months. Like I can live anywhere as long as the borders are open and it's safe. So why not explore and go somewhere else? So my friend and I decided to do Byron Bay, which by the way is where the Hemsworths live. Liam and Chris, I don't know if Chris, uh, Liam lives here, but Chris Hemsworth absolutely has a house here. It's gorgeous. It's exactly what you would think Australia would be. So I was like, all right, we're going to do Byron Bay. So I'm going to be in Byron Bay for the next three plus weeks. I might be staying longer. I'm trying to find a visa extension because of everything going on in America with COVID and it's just a mess right now. I'm like, I really don't know if it's even smart to go back. So that's the update on my visa is you can do a bridging visa into a tourist visa. I just am not sure about the tourist visa if you can only do it once a year or what because it's winter here. So I'm not really sure that I want to be wasting my money on a tourist visa if I if I'm going to just be here through the winter. So that's the update on the visa. I'm just it's TBD. 
So I left Broome. I went to Perth, which is a bigger city on the West Coast. And I flew there because I had to fly from Perth to Sydney. And I was like, well, if I have to go, why not just make it a fun weekend? So super fun weekend. I was by myself, though, and I will talk about traveling alone at some point. But it was fun in a way of like, I finally was socializing again. I mean, I was locked up basically in a house for three months in Broome. So to be out in Perth, like actually eating out at a restaurant and going out and seeing people and going to a bar and and walking around and seeing people walk around in the city, I was like, whoa, this is brand new. I haven't seen this in a hot minute. And yeah, so it was fun getting out and adjusting to everything, but it also was an adjustment. You know what I mean? I, I had my very strict routine. I wouldn't say strict. I just had a very a specific routine in Broome. I worked out every day. I was cooking every single day breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had a bed to myself. I had my own room. I shared a bathroom with one other girl. There was a pool there. There was a balcony. We lived across this gorgeous beach. Cable Beach is in Broome, which is one of the prettiest beaches in Australia. So to go from that to all of a sudden being in a hostile dorm after, again, almost, I think I was in Broome for like 14 weeks, to go from that to a hostel dorm where everyone's, you know, true backpackers, there's just towels everywhere and shoes and people are living out of their suitcases and people are partying and it's loud. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot what this was like. And I told my mom, I was like, I don't think I can do hostel life anymore. It just feels like I've outgrown it. And so, yeah, Perth was fun. It was, like I said, nice to see everything, but I did feel this shift of, like, I think I've outgrown this, like, hostile party life because it was just too much for me living in a bunk bed and partying and just the lifestyle. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, which I'll get into what I'm doing now because it hasn't really changed. But yeah, Perth was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I went to a place called Rottnest Island, which is really popular here. It has those animals called the quokkas. I was saying it quokka, which is absolutely wrong. <laughs> it's quokkas. And they're all on Rottnest Island. They look like these little like squirrels slash beavers slash I don't even know what type of animal. But they're all on this island. So when you get off the ferry, there's just quokkas everywhere. So if you go to my Instagram, I have a picture with one. They're notorious for being able to take selfies with you. So really cute. If you ever go to Australia, try to get to Rottnest Island and get a picture with the quokka. And then from Perth, I flew to Sydney. And Sydney was insanity because I knew I was going to Byron Bay. So I was only in Sydney for four days. And I wanted to do all this stuff in Sydney. Like, first of all, catch up with all my friends and family that are back there. But then I also had all these self-care appointments. Again, I was in a house for 12 weeks. I actually think I was there longer doing zero for self-care in terms of external appearance, (laughs) which I usually don't care about. But at some point it's like, yeah, you know what? I would like to get my hair done. I would like to get my nails done. I would like to go get a massage. I would like to do something because for 12 weeks I was basically doing nothing. I wasn't doing nothing, but it was nothing that I was going out to get a service for, if that makes sense. I was doing everything inside, like meditating and journaling and writing, but it was like, okay, yeah, I do want to feel a little revamp, so I'm going to go to all these self-care appointments. So I had all these self-care appointments, and then I had also signed up for a sound healing, and then I have all these coaches that I'm working with, so I had all these calls and one-on-one sessions, and it was just insanity. And then... I had a photo shoot with a girl that lives in Sydney and I wanted to do it there because I wanted to do it at the beach. And so I had to prep for that photo shoot. I had to get my hair done. I had to get my makeup done. I didn't have to, but I wanted to. I had to pack a whole suitcase of outfits that I wanted to to pack and change into. And it was just insanity. I felt like my total sleep time last week in Sydney was like four hours. I feel like I barely slept. I was running around. Like people didn't even know I was back because that's how quickly I was moving through Sydney. They're like, wait, how long have you been here? I'm like, basically three days, but I've been running around. I haven't eaten. I literally have not had a chance to just sit down and catch up with people. So it was total chaos. And then my friend and I drove up to Byron Bay. So I have a few funny stories to tell really quickly. But my other friend and her boyfriend came with us up to Byron Bay And for some reason, we all did not talk about the car situation. And we were all basically moving from our last spot. So they were moving out of their Bondi Beach apartment. I had just moved from Broome. And we had all our suitcases and stuff as if we were moving because we basically were. We were planning on staying in Byron for a month. And so we get to the car and we're like, 
uh, our luggage is not going to fit in this car. There's no way. There's the, we all had like a million pieces of luggage. So what ended up happening is my friend and her boyfriend actually had to take a bus from Sydney to Byron Bay on the Greyhound. They got student discounts, so it was quite cheap, but it was like a 14-hour bus. And my friend and I had to drive up with all our luggage in the back. It literally looked like we were a U-Haul for moving. And the whole plan was for all of us to drive together, do this fun road trip, but they had to take a bus. So that is just a lesson in packing light. (laughs) I can't get over what it looked like. It was just psychotic. So yeah, pack light, travel lighter, whatever you think you need, you don't. Like literally, if I could give any piece of advice when traveling abroad is take what you have, divide it by half, divide it by half again, and then divide it by one more half. Because that is seriously how much you need. I I came here with two suitcases, then I took only one to broom. I think I used 10% of that suitcase, and I took it back to Byron Bay, and now I'm using about 5% of it. I'm like, yeah, you absolutely do not need a ton of stuff. So have, have, and half again. So we get to Byron Bay, and we're at this hostel called Wake Up, which is super chill. People come here to surf and do yoga. It's super chill vibes. Like, I came here last time I was in Byron Bay, Everyone is really easygoing. They have bikes you can rent, surfboards. It's across the beach. And Byron, like I said, is really what you would think Australia would look like. Like everyone's health and wellness focused. There's all these artists around. Everyone's surfing, chilling on the beach, swimming, meditating, playing live music on the lawn. Like it reminds me a lot of Venice Beach or like LA in general with the the people and the vibe. But then there's also a mix of really 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 hippie uh focused people as well that are like true hippies like don't wear shoes don't wash their hair walk around barefoot everywhere like it's just it's a funny juxtaposition because there's also this weird air of pretentiousness here almost like pretentious hippies (laughs) like like we're hippies and you're not that's kind of the vibe I was getting when I first got here last time And this time I wanted to see if it was the same. And it kind of is. There's this air of like, we're so Byron Bay and you're not. So I do feel like this weird, I wouldn't say pressure, but like thing to like fit in and get, be more hippie and be more, you know, loose and free and fun. Cause that's the vibe here. But it's, it's also funny. Cause then there's also a scene here. Like I went out to a bush party on Friday where you literally, I don't understand how to explain this. It's like, you go into the dunes almost and then you go under all these bushes and then there's a party. Like people are just partying, raving, have have uh, drinks to drink. I'm like, what is going on here? And then if you go out to bars, they're really fun. Like there's crazy bars here. There's a huge scene. There's a huge food scene. So it's weird because like I said, there's this whole level of hippies and just like living super carefree. But then there's this whole other side of the community that's extremely bougie you know, we'll pay $150 a week for Pilates classes, whereas the cutest workout clothes only goes to the best bars and restaurants. And I'm adjusting. So I'm like, what is going on? I'm, I'm coming from a house of being in there for 14 weeks. So it's a lot to process. I am staying in a hostel. Like I said, wake up and I'm staying in a dorm room because it's the cheapest option. And you guys have to remember this, that I was originally planning to go back to Sydney and staying with my friends and cousins on their couches or just kind of bopping around. So I wasn't planning on paying any rent. So when I came to Byron, I hadn't budgeted for staying for a month in a house or an Airbnb. So I was like, well, the wake up hostel is super nice. Let's stay there. And the dorm, they do weekly deals where if you stay for a week, you get like, you get it for like 175 bucks, which is so cheap for a hostel. So we go to the hostel, check in, everything's good, beautiful, whatever. And then I get to the dorm and I'm like, oh, this dorm is actually even bigger than the Perth dorm where I had already decided I didn't really want to be in a dorm. And there's like eight people in this dorm. It's boys and girls mixed. They're all French, which I actually love listening to them talk. It's amazing. And they've all been there long term. So if you're a long-termer backpacker, you can just tell because you have all your stuff. You have like your whole setup in your bed. Like a lot of people that are long-term bring photos with them and they'll put them up next to their bunk bed and they have this whole little cute setup. And so when I walk in, I can immediately tell if someone's a long-termer or not. So you can tell the short-termers because they don't really unpack anything. They just throw stuff in the locker, they're in and out, and then they check out. The long-termers are people that stay for like two weeks or more and you can just tell by the way they've set up their room that they are long-termers. So my room is very long-termer. 
the first night was totally fine. The second night, we had these two guys check in from England and Ireland. And they were so funny when they checked in. I was like, oh, they're going to be a fun time. We're going to have so much fun together. Like, I can just tell they have amazing personalities and they want to go out and we're just going to have fun. And so I stayed in that night because I had to teach yoga and meditation in the morning. And they went out. They come back beyond blackout, like incoherent. They try to get in bed. One of them falls out of the top bunk three times, okay? Three times this guy falls out of the top bunk. These guys are fully grown too. They're like 30 years old probably. One of them is falling like a brick on the on the concrete, not concrete, hardwood floor. And then his friend is just dying laughing. And this is, by the way, at like one in the morning. So at first it was funny because it's like, wow, I can't believe these guys are so drunk. But then it kept getting worse and worse. And by the third time he fell, he was basically almost falling on the bottom bunk on top of the girl that was sleeping there. And she was pissed, which I would be too. Like, hello, stop falling out of... How do you even fall out of a bunk? These had rails around them too. I'm like, what is going on? So he just kept falling and like just being a mess and they wouldn't be quiet. And everyone's like, hey guys, can you please be quiet? Like we're all trying to sleep. I was like, guys, I have to teach yoga and meditation super early. Can we just pipe down? And they were not taking direction. Like, they did not want anyone to tell them what to do. So if anything, they were getting louder and louder and being more jokey-jokey and more loud and just doing crazy things to the point where the girl went up and got the night manager. The night manager comes in, and he's like, guys, you need to pipe down. And they're like, okay, sorry, whatever. So they're quiet for like 10 minutes. They start talking again. Another thing happens. He like drops something. The other guy's laughing and accidentally spits out his drink. It was a mess. At this point now, they're being really annoying. And at first, like I said, I thought it was funny, but it was like, okay, it's now been an hour of you guys being extremely disrespectful. We're all sleeping. It's the middle of the night. This hostel is supposed to be a very chill vibe. What the hell is going on? So the night manager comes in again and he's like, guys, like you have to chill out. And by this point, I'm pissed. I'm like, I'm leaving. Like I'm getting my pillow and I'm going somewhere else. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to another room or something. And then they just started being rude and calling the French girl names and making fun of her and because she was telling them to be quiet and just being really disrespectful. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to stay here. So we had to go to the front office and see if there was something we could do. They end up calling the cops. The cops come to try and get them in trouble for being drunk and disorderly. However, because they didn't actually commit a crime, there's really nothing you can do. So the cops were like, well, we can't arrest them for just being like loud and drunk. You can put them in another room and the, all the rooms were booked out. So then we had nowhere to go. So what ended up happening was I ended up sleeping in a staff room two nights ago, which is for staff. So I had to sleep in a staff room. I woke up and I went back to the room and they said they were going to kick the guys out in the morning. So I'm like, great. So I walk back into the room and the guys are still there and they have no idea what happened. They're like, good morning. Sorry about the noise last night. Like do 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 just putting on their sweaters. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they had no idea. They're like, yeah, how's it going? How's your day? I'm like, you guys know the cops came and you're 100% getting kicked out. And they're like, what? No way. They like thought I was kidding. They're like, oh, that's so funny. Like, you're joking. I'm like, no, no, no. The cops came. The night managers came. No one slept in this room. Like, do you, did you guys really forget that? And they were like, whoa, we had no idea. So they ended up getting kicked out. They just packed their stuff up. They did apologize. But at this point, it was kind of like, you know, falling on flat ears because we're just like, who cares? Like, please get out. So, yeah, that was my hostel experience. No, that is my hostel experience because I'm still at the hostel. And yeah, the guys are gone. I'm still in the room. And this is actually a perfect segue to talk about dropping your ego. So your ego, for definition, is basically like your sense of self or sense of worth or self-esteem. And a lot of us get our egos based on external validation. So when we're growing up, you know, you get good grades. Great job. You're an A plus student. And it boosts your ego, right? Because it's the self-esteem piece that's like, well, if I'm getting good grades, that means I work hard. And that means I'm getting rewarded and our brain is so activated by rewards and pleasure that it feels good. So we want to feel those ego boosts even more and more. So as we grow up, based on where you grow up too, this is definitely subjective. I'm speaking from my experience in America. A lot of our ego boosts start to come from money. They start to come from titles. They start to come from your occupation, from where you live, what you do, who you're married to, the status that you have. 
And a lot of people then start doing that whole thing of what we call keeping up with the Joneses because you want your ego to be fed. You want that reward system. You want the car because you want someone to say, wow, I can't believe you can afford that car. You want the nice clothes because you want people to say, wow, like you, you really dress so well. I love your clothes. I can't believe you wear a designer. Or you want to, you know, do X, Y, or Z just to have that external validation because our ego loves it. Our ego also creates a sense of familiarity. So when it's basically, if something is happening that's unfamiliar, uncertain, it freaks out. So this is why when people go to take leaps of faith at their jobs or do something big or commit to something, whatever it is, your ego goes in panic mode because it doesn't like the unfamiliar. It's like, whoa, 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 alert, alert, alert. Absolutely not. Do not take that job. Do not do that. Do not move. No, no, no. I like being safe in my little bubble. I don't want to see anything different. And that's where uncertainty comes in, doubt, fear, etc. So when I moved to Australia and the first apartment I lived in was about, I think, five younger people, like in their 20s to 21, 22 in the in the house. That's when my ego first was checked. I came from a, a job in Chicago where I was making six figures. I was living on the lake in a high rise. I had a an amazing title. I worked for an amazing company. And all of a sudden, here I am in Australia in a bedroom with, not a bedroom, in a shared house with five other people. And my ego couldn't handle that because it was like, it felt like I was downgrading in a sense, right? Like, wow, you just downgraded your life. That's what basically I was thinking. So I immediately had to reframe everything, which I'll talk about in my masterclass. And that's exactly what my Facebook group is about, reframing. I had to look at it differently. So reframing is just shifting your perspective to change the meaning. So basically you always have a ton of different ways to look at things, but there's usually two basic ways is the positive or the negative. I could choose to look at that situation and say, this sucks. I cannot believe I live here. I am, this is a joke. I'm living with five people that are younger than me. I shouldn't be here. I have, I used to have an amazing job, an amazing apartment. I used to make a ton of money. Why would I stay in this house? This sucks. Okay. Right. That's one way. The other way to look at it is, wow, I live in an apartment in Bondi beach, which is one of the most iconic beaches in not only Sydney, but in the world. Everyone knows what Bondi beach is. Even if you haven't seen it, you've heard the name. I'm living on a beach road, okay? I was like two blocks away from the beach. I live with these fun people that they are, they all get along, they're super welcoming, and I can walk down to my new job and walk down to the beach in two seconds. That's amazing. So I chose to pick that thought track because that would serve me better, right? If I woke up every day and was like, fuck this, this sucks, I'm embarrassed, I'm like, this is so, such a joke that's obviously not going to serve me well. I'm just going to keep looking for things to prove it. I think I've talked about this a million times on the podcast before, but whatever thought track you choose, your brain and ego will find signs and ways to prove you right. Whichever way you go, it doesn't matter if you go negative or positive. So if I chose the negative one of this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, my brain and ego would say, yeah, it does suck. Look, oh, look at this. Someone left a dish out. Ew, gross. Oh my gosh, look at this. Look how small your shower is. Look at this. You don't even have a closet. Ew, 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 right? If I chose to look at the other way and say, well, this is amazing. I'm right by the beach and I have this. I have my own bed. I, I get along with my roommate. Everyone's really fun. It's safe. Now my brain starts to look for things to prove that true. Like, you're right. Look how easy it is. You can wake up and just walk down to the beach in five minutes. Who can say that? Who can say they can go to the beach in five minutes in one of the most iconic beaches in Sydney? Oh my gosh, you get to wake up and have roommates that all have jobs and are respectful and actually want to work and make money so that you can all go out for drinks on Friday. It started looking for signs to prove that right. So that's when I immediately was like, yeah, I know that this year is not going to be a year where I'm living in high rise mansions or anything like that, but let's see what happens. So that was the first example of learning how to drop my ego was I can choose for this to be a really shitty situation or not. This goes back to a concept too of what I said earlier of changing your mind. I also, while I can be grateful for what I had, I can also want more. 
You know what I mean? Like I didn't say, oh, well, this is just it. I have to deal with it. This is the shared house. After two weeks of living there, I was like, actually, this is insane energy to be around five different people at all times. We all have different jobs. This apartment is small. We're all trying to cook at the same time. We're all trying to go to the bathroom at the same time. It was just like too much and way too much energy in one apartment. So I decided I wanted to live with only one other roommate. But that didn't mean that I had to shit on my current situation. You can be grateful for what you have and not want to shit on your current situation either just because you want to up level. So that was important to share because I didn't want people to think because I wanted only one roommate now that I all of a sudden was like, oh, fuck this other apartment. Ew, gross. Get me out. It was more of like, oh, a pause. It's like a waiting room. I like to think of it as like, this is just a waiting room and now I'm gonna go into the office, which is a totally different room. So this was just a waiting room. It was just a stepping stone, whatever you wanna call it before I had to move to the next thing. So while I was living in that house, I was looking for a new place to stay so I could only have one other roommate. Well, the obviously the rent goes up when you only have one roommate versus four. So I knew I had to get a job because at this point my savings was running out. I've talked about this on another podcast, but I saved about 10,000 Australian dollars. And then I went to go do my yoga teacher training in Bali. I was there for a month. And at this point now it had been like two, two and a half months. So my savings was dwindling and I knew that I wanted to go on trips and I knew that I would need money for apartment rent and bond and all that stuff. So while the, the money is dwindling, I'm like, well, I need a job. And then all of a sudden I go into panic mode and I was like, oh my God, I need a job. I need a job. I need a job. So I just printed out like 80 resumes and I seriously went down every single restaurant, any shop, any retail store that was open in Bondi, just handing out my resume, like lather, rinse, repeat, go, go, go. And eventually I ran into a gelato shop and they were hiring. And funny enough, I used to work at an ice cream shop in in, um, high school And so they were like, well, you know what? We would love to have you. We're looking for a shift manager. You know, you seem older and mature. We would really like to test this out. And I literally, you guys, had to do a scooping test, okay? I had to pass a test where I showed how I scooped gelato. And then I had to weigh it. And I literally, like, passed the scooping test. Now, this is going back to the ego and the thought tracks that you can choose. My negative thought track was like, what the fuck am I doing here in Bondi Beach in Sydney, passing a scoop test to be able to just find money for my apartment? Like I should be working for myself. I should have my own business. I should be running an empire of my own. What the hell am I doing? This is so embarrassing. We also got really embarrassing uniforms. We had to wear a little hat. Like I'm, I'll show you a picture or something. It's so embarrassing. But I was like, okay. So that was the negative thought track. The positive one was, Chelsea, this is really good money. Australian minimum wage is amazing. Being a shift manager means I have more money and you get free gelato. Like I think I got 50% off every time. So I guess it's not free, but you know, I get gelato. I get to do something that I already knew how to do. And it's by the beach, meaning it's always busy. So you're not going to be just sitting there bored doing nothing. Plus when you're off, you can just go to the beach or if you have a lunch break, you can just walk down to the beach. So that was the thought track that I chose that I chose because I was like, again, going down the negative one or the positive one won't actually change your situation. It will just change the feeling. Right. And here's what I mean. If I chose that negative one of like, wow, embarrassing hat. I can't believe I have to scoop for a living. This is so dumb, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't change the job. Like I still have to go do the job. However, if I choose the other one, then at least I won't hate walking into work every day. I won't dread looking at the schedule. I won't have to be like, oh, another day at work. Because at this point, it was my only option. I had to make money to pay rent. And I looked at it as a means to an end. I think this is really important when you start understanding what your ego is doing and keeping you safe. Remember, it's trying to keep you safe too. So it's also freaking out because it's like, you've never done this. You're not a shift manager. What the hell does a shift manager even do? Like, what if you break the gelato machine? What if you count the cash wrong and get fired? Like all this stuff was going through my head. So that's where my ego popped up too. was like, alert, not safe, don't do this. But I also wanted to, to think about, this is just a means to an end. Okay, it's not like my life purpose was to work at a gelato shop. However, if I wanted to live in Sydney and pay rent, I had to have money. That's inevitable. I can't just escape paying rent. So I knew, well, this is your paycheck to pay rent. And then any extra money you can go out with and do whatever you want. 
So I didn't look at it as this is the final destination. It was just a means to an end. So when you're in situations like that, where you're like, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I have to do this job. You know, I have a law degree or I have a marketing degree and I don't want to be doing this. It's not your purpose. It's literally just a means to an end. That's something that I think Australia is really good at with being non-judgmental because of all the farm work that people have to do. So what I was talking about earlier with my visa, you can do hospitality or tourism, but almost pretty much every other nationality, I think there's only five that have similar ones to mine. They have to do farm work where you literally go on a farm and are either like picking bananas or packing peppers or planting things like very, very specific farm work especially coming from someone coming from an America that sounds psychotic. You're like, why would I go work on a farm? But because it's so common here and so many people do it, it loses that judgmental tone where people are like, oh yeah, duh, we're going to the farm to get our second visa. It's like the same thing. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get Starbucks tomorrow morning. It's the same thing. People are like, yeah, we're leaving for the farm on Wednesday to get our visa. And you're just like, okay. Like everyone knows that's what you have to do to get the second year. So I do credit Australia for being really non-judgmental about that. Like you can be like, oh, I have to do farm work in the middle of a marketing job. And they're like, oh, great. Like, good luck. Go get that visa. So that, that really helped me draw my ego knowing that there are so many backpackers here just trying to make ends meet. And that environment of living around very similar people made me realize like no one cares. No one cares if I'm a shift manager. No one cares if I make six figures. No one cares if I'm working on the farm. Like everyone here is just trying to live and get by and have fun. Not everyone, but like backpackers, you know what I mean? So that was the shift manager job. And that was the second big thing that I was like, yeah, you need to drop your ego and get over it because this is just a way to fund your lifestyle. I wasn't looking at it as like, wow, I finally am a shift manager at a gelato job and I've fulfilled my life purpose because I knew there was greater in me. I just, again, needed to pay rent. I would say the third incident where I had to learn to draw my ego was when I got to Broome. So like I just said, I was there for, I think about 14 weeks and I had to, I was going to work at the restaurant that was there to get my 88 days worked for my second visa. Didn't happen. And I was like, well, what can you do to make money? Like, what skills do you have? And I was going all over the place, guys. I was like, I could start a podcast agency. I could write an ebook. I could do training. I could coach people. I could develop a course. I I mean, I was all over the place. I had truly no idea. And as this was happening, I was an au pair in Broome. And this is a funny story because that all came about because I found a recruiter in Cairns. I was supposed to be in Cairns first. That didn't work out, so I flew out to Broome. And when I got to Broome, I was supposed to be an au pair and work at the restaurant, but because the restaurant closed, I was only being an au pair. And this goes back to the ego thing. My, you know, former corporate American self was like, you're an au pair. This is so embarrassing. Like, wow, you're basically just a glorified babysitter. Like, haha, wow. I can't believe it. You're not making any money. You're just doing this. Okay. That's again, one way to look at it. The other way I started looking at it was I was an au pair working for the restaurant manager. So I was living in a mansion. So I went from living with roommates, with five other roommates, living in hostels to living in a mansion. Okay. With no bills. I didn't have any expenses except groceries. And I was learning how to work with kids, which I haven't really been around. Like I haven't had to take care of kids in a very long time. I'm not a mom, but I'm the oldest of four. And I just don't remember, you know, holding a baby and taking care of it in years now. So that was the thought track I chose was instead of looking at this as some embarrassing thing was like, holy shit, you get to live in a mansion for free. You're learning how to work with children. So in case you ever want children, you actually like have an understanding of it. And this is the perfect time to work on your own thing. The whole goal of me coming to Australia was to be able to work for myself. And it actually took COVID and being an au pair to get me to understand that. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, well, you know, if I only had no rent and no bills and I just had all the time in the world, then I could create my new business. And it was like, okay, well, here you go. You literally have no bills. You have nothing else to do but watch these kids, which by the way, there was another nanny there. So we just switched off shifts and you live in a mansion. So you don't have the excuse of, oh, well, my roommates are loud and you know, someone was home. It's like, no, there's a million rooms Go in another room and get it done. So that's the thought track I chose, right? You can continue to choose new thought tracks. So I choose this thought track and then that's when everything started happening. And 
I got to change my mind. Like I said earlier, I started out teaching online yoga. Then I started adding online yoga and meditation. Then I decided to do private yoga or meditation. Then I started thinking about corporate workshops and meditations. Then in the middle of a meditation, I had this download to do mindset manifestation coaching. Then I decided to focus on a specific group of people. So you can see this all happen in 14 weeks. You are not locked in anything. You're allowed to change your mind. And I had to drop my ego to get there. If I would have been in the thought track that I chose that was negative, which was, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. You're a nanny and you're 29 and oh, blah, blah, blah. I would have just wallowed in that. But because I didn't let it affect me, it's like, okay, that's your reality. Move on. Now what's next? Again, I don't look at it as my final destination or my life's purpose. It was like, this is just a means to an end. I have to do this to get where I want to be. I don't get to just wake up and have six figures in my bank and never have ever worked on a client project or done anything with clients or done any type of marketing and hope that one day it just falls in my lap. Also, I wouldn't want to do it that way because then I would never know the process to get there. I talk about this a lot too is because I'm learning it. You will not know unless you go through the process. So you can't just expect to one day have a thriving business and all these clients and making thousands of dollars if you don't even know what you did to get there, right? Then that would just be like a magic genie that gave you everything you wanted and you'd be like, okay, well, now I got it. I don't even know how to sustain it because I didn't know how to get there. So that's what I'm learning is like, as I'm going, I get to adjust things. I get to change my mind. I get to move things around because I want to serve my clients best. And I want to be able to come from a good place of, of amazing energy and not be like, oh, well, you know, six months ago, I said I was doing this blah, blah, blah program. So here I am just doing it, even though I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want that energy. I want it to be like, yeah, I did have this program. You can, you can access it here and I'm going to change it. And I'm going to do one-on-one coaching now, whatever you want to do, you can change your mind with a caveat that you should obviously be doing this. No, I don't like to say should, but my recommendation would be doing this, knowing that you're always serving your clients best. I don't do this. I don't change things just because I all of a sudden one day don't feel like doing it right. Like one-on-one coaching. It's not like I'm like, Oh, well, I just don't feel like it today. Cause I want to watch TV. So I'm going to change my offer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, Instead of maybe doing a 12-week intensive group coaching program, maybe you just do one-off calls. Or maybe you just do a six-week course. Maybe you do a four-week course. Maybe you do a webinar. Like, there's just so many ways to look at it. Yeah, I feel like that was a tangent. We're not even talking about ego anymore. (laughs) But I had to draw my ego in order to get to that point. Because I know if I would have let my ego talk the and take the driver's seat... I would never have started my own business. And here's why. If we go back to the very beginning of this story, when I got to the five bed apartment, tiny, tiny, tiny in Bondi, let's say my ego took over and was like, this is so embarrassing. You need to go find a better spot to live. And all of a sudden I splurged and all my savings went to like some mansion on the beach or some private room, whatever the case was. Well then I would have been forced to probably get two jobs in order to work and make that money. Because again, rent is not cheap. You actually pay rent weekly here too. So I'm sure if I would have tried to let my ego speak up and again, move to a high rise, I would have had to get two jobs. And if I had two jobs, I would have never in my life thought of starting my own business because I would be so distracted by the two jobs. Now let's fast forward to the gelato job. If I would have been like, this is so embarrassing. You need to go to get a quote unquote real job. You need to go work 40 hours a week. Well, then I could have just done that in America. You know what I mean? If I wanted to work 40 hours a week at a corporate job, why would I move abroad to do that? The whole point of moving over here was to work for myself and travel. I did not want a nine to five. I wanted to be able to get up and do whatever I wanted and and literally bop around at the you know drop of a dime. And I couldn't do that if I was going to work 40 hours a week. So that's why when the gelato job came up, it was just random hours. So it's like, oh yeah, I can have a whole Wednesday off and go to the beach and make money on a Thursday. Fine. Oh wait, I can work all day and then have the evening off and go to dinner and drinks with a friend. Great. So I started looking at it that way. And I'm like, that freedom started to give me a taste of what it would be like to be a digital nomad, right? To just have a random Wednesday off and go to the beach. I've never experienced that. And I'm like, wait, this is what a digital nomad would do. They would be able to just take off and go to the beach on a Wednesday. However, 
once again, had I let my ego take the driver's seat and gone and gotten a real job where I worked 40, and I don't even like saying real job, but where I had to work 40 to 60 hours a week, I 100% would have never started my own business. Then let's fast forward to the broom job, the, the being an au pair. If I would have let that get in the way and say, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I'm an au pair. I need to just move into a better apartment. Well, at this point I was not working. Okay. Like I did not have any income because I did not have the gelato job. I actually at some point did work for, I'd worked two other jobs, which is a whole other story, but I ended up working two different marketing jobs. So at some point in Sydney, I had three jobs and all of a sudden I had none. So if I did the whole, let me take the ego or let the ego take the driver's seat where I'm just going to let it take over. I'm going to try to prove everyone how rich I am or how my status has changed and I have the best title then I probably would have tried to get a corporate job in Broom, which is almost impossible during the pandemic. And then I once again would have not started my own business because I would have been in a corporate job. My ego would have taken over and said, do what's familiar. Remember, the ego tries to keep you in the familiar. So it would have been like, go to a desk job, go to a desk job, get the marketing job because that's what happened in Sydney, which again is uh, what I want to talk about in a future podcast. But my ego was keeping me safe by saying, go get a marketing job in Sydney. And that's what happened. So when I got to Broom, if I would have let the ego take over, I would have probably gotten another marketing job in Broom. But because I have learned to disassociate with it, I look at it almost as this like, I'm trying to think of a visualization to help. It's like this different ball of energy inside me that just pops up to keep me safe. But I look at it as just a ball and that's it. I don't let it be my personality. I don't let it take over. A lot of people also just think of it as like a different part of them, like a different section of them. Um, there's a lot of visualizations that people do with their ego and like disassociating with it. But I think that's the important thing to understand is you have to disassociate from it. Like your ego is not you. Your ego is not your personality. Your ego is not your essence. Your ego is just trying to keep you safe and it's your self-esteem and self-worth. So if you can disassociate with that and say, okay, I can look at it from a different angle. Like pretend you could take your ego out of your body and just look at it. That really helped me understand okay, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're just trying to keep me safe. I understand. Thank you. But we're not going down that path again. Once I started looking at it that way, that's when all these other things started to come really easy. When I looked at it and said, look, thank you. I know you're trying to keep me safe in a marketing job and you want me to just settle down in an apartment and do the you know right thing and their traditional path, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate that, but I'm going to choose to keep you quiet right now because I have a bigger vision that I want to execute. And so once you can do that and understand that it's not a bad thing to talk to your ego and, and give it attention, then you can move on and move forward. So once I did that, that's when I started seeing success. When I dropped my ego and was like, get over it. Yeah, you have to live in a hostel because you didn't save enough money for an apartment because it was completely unplanned to be in Byron Bay. Okay, great. That's your new reality. Am I going to move into this hostel for the rest of my life? No. Am I going to stay in this top bunk bed for the rest of my life? No. But it's a means to an end. And guess what? It doesn't matter. I've sold out half my course from the top bunk of my bed. I've had discovery calls out in the kitchen courtyard. I've had a, I've been able to talk to people while I walk around the hostel. Like no one cares because people buy your energy. They do not buy your external materials. I'm sure people, there are people that do that, but I don't do that. I don't invest in a coach because they have a Lamborghini or work with a coach because they have a Cartier ring. I don't do that because A, I don't value that stuff, but B, that doesn't show me their personality. That just shows me that they have money. You know what I mean? I hope that makes sense. Like, I don't think for anyone that signed up with me, I don't think they're working with me because I have the nicest, richest, most expensive lifestyle or things, I think they're working with me because of my energy and I'm relatable. Like that's my take on it. So why would I care about where I live? Right now, this is a place to sleep and shower and like, thank God I have a place that I can afford, right? That's how I look at it. And that's another thought track to think is, wow, this is embarrassing. I'm back in a dorm, back in a hostel. I can't believe it. I'm 29. Yeah, I was like 
because this is just a place to sleep and shower and eat. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't my future home. I'm not going to settle down and have a family here, but I need to sleep somewhere and I need to have a heater and I need to have a shower. So yeah, I'm going to stay here because it's what I can afford. And they have so many perks. I can get a free surfboard and go surfing. I can bike into town. They have a yoga freaking studio. Like, yeah, I'm going to stay here. So yeah, that is why I choose to think differently. I just never think of anything as permanent. To me, everything is so temporary, so I don't attach myself to it. So I think that's why I've been able to see success with my business is because I haven't let my ego get in the way and say, oh, well, you can only run a course if you have your own desk in your own house and, a, and it has to be a mansion. Or you can only talk to people if you have AirPods in and you can walk the beach. Like, it's just not true. You know what I mean? It sounds ridiculous. So I had to disassociate from my ego, let it take a backseat, because remember, your ego isn't always bad. It's just trying to keep you safe. So I don't want to demonize the ego. It's not the best part of you, but it's also something that you just need to learn. It's just trying to keep you safe and familiar. So again, that's why people have a lot of trouble with, with change because it's unfamiliar. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. And that's why we never make changes. So I hope this was helpful. I gave you guys specific examples of how I've tried to disassociate from my ego and there's been very very specific incidences where I've been like wow this is embarrassing I can't believe it blah 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 but knowing that this is not permanent this is means to an end this is something that I have to do to just get to that next step life is just a series of stepping stones so to me all this stuff is just like a stepping stone and it also shows me what I don't want right like now that I have lived in the hostel dorm and done all these things I'm like yeah, I actually really don't want to live in a hostel anymore. It showed me I don't want to live in a hostel and I do want to upgrade either to a private room or an Airbnb or something. So that motivates me even more now to make money. You know what I mean? Like if anything, it's like, wow, I don't want to live here anymore. So just make more money and make more sales and try to get more people in your circle to work with and try to be motivated by um, getting out of here. You know what I mean? Like if anything, it's driven me more to get out. I think if I would have started out in a mansion, I would have been like, okay, well, everything's done. I have nothing to work on. And I don't want to do that. I don't want anything like handed to me. I want to feel like I worked for it. So yeah, that's how I drop my ego. I just try to look at it as a totally separate part of me. That's just trying to keep me safe. It's just my self-esteem. It's not something that I need to put a bunch of emphasis on and it's definitely not something that I need to allow to take the driver's seat. So let me know if you have questions about this. I'll definitely be covering this in the masterclass. It's going to be next week. So the time and date are going to be confirmed when everyone signs up. There's only two spots left. So as soon as those get filled, we'll confirm the time and date. If you cannot make it, there will be a replay available. So do not worry. You'll always get the replay. You can be part of the Facebook group and ask questions. And I quickly wanted to answer some listener questions. So you guys heard in the beginning of the podcast, I talked about a photo shoot in Sydney and one of my listeners asked, how did I prep for the photo shoot? Well, I would say I didn't really prep. <laughs> I, I did prep and I didn't, I didn't prep as extensively as I would say a lot of other people do. So I did not like go on a crash diet and like go to a gym and like physically I was like, this is what it is. Like I just booked a photo shoot two weeks before I was like, it's happening. So, you know, do your best. <laughs> And then for outfits and inspiration, I use Pinterest. So I went on Pinterest and I thought, okay, for my new branding, what would I want the pictures on the website to look like and what type of vibe would I go for? And I went psychotic on Pinterest, probably pinned like 200 images of the vibe, the look, the feeling. And I knew we were going to be shooting a lot of the beach. So then I just started, you know, Pinterest searching beach sensual photo shoot, beach photo shoot, uh, you know, water photo shoot, just anything I could think of that had those keywords, pin, 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 so that when I were to my photographer, I could send it over because it's much easier to send a photographer actual images of what you want versus just saying, oh, I want a shot on the beach. Okay, great. That could mean a hundred things. If you show, oh yeah, yeah. I want to be in the water looking behind me with my hair down, whatever. Okay. That's very easy to recreate. So definitely pin everything you can find colors that you want to wear and that will stick out in photos. So something I learned is definitely do not wear anything with crazy ass logos all over it. I don't really like patterns. I don't like prints. I like to keep it simple, like one bold color and thinking about where I am, how that color would stick out. 
So like if I'm on the beach, I knew white would stick out really well. When I was in a cafe, I wanted to wear a sweater and I wanted the sweater to try and match my eyes. So I picked a green sweater. So just start thinking of little things that would match the environment where you're at and the colors and not distract uh, the audience when they went to your site. Because I thought about it and I was like, if someone goes to my site and my picture is the banner, for example, would I want like 20 logos on my shirt? Probably not. That's not clean. That doesn't look right. And then people get confused. So bold, simple colors, pinning, think of the background. I booked a hair appointment the day before, but that was also because I hadn't gotten my hair done in forever. So I actually had it colored the day before. And then that morning I went in for a blow dry So I actually asked them, instead of blowing it out on that day, can you do it the morning of my photo shoot? And they're like, sure. So I went in and got it styled. And then I got my makeup done. I actually just asked someone on Instagram stories, hey, does anyone know of a good makeup artist in Sydney? Someone sent me someone. I booked her. She came to the apartment I was staying at, did my makeup. And yeah, so I had my hair and makeup done. For outfits, I like to keep it cheap af i do not like spending money on clothes it's just something i don't put a lot of high value on and that doesn't mean i'm right or wrong it just means like i don't value it so i went to kmart which kmart here is the shit by the way i got their um they had all these clothes for like five dollars on sale so i bought shirts that i knew i wanted to recreate the look from pinterest so for example if i saw a girl with a cute oversized shirt on the beach okay that means i need to go get a cute oversized shirt or at least see that i have one so i was looking for that specific stuff when i went shopping and then i also started to think of little accessories that would make the shot that were just not my shirt and and bottoms so things like rings earrings necklaces hair pieces sunglasses watches whatever the case is like did i have those to recreate the look or did i need to go buy them i want to be super clear here too i talked about this in my facebook live last week but this is not required if you want to be your own business owner for me it felt like i wanted to really embody this so i was like well if i were a mindset coach in five years a mindset coach would likely have a website and have photos and have their hair and makeup done and wear cute outfits so that's what i wanted to do However, I know plenty of women, including a girl that I'm probably signing up for a workshop, they don't have any of that. They do all their stuff on Instagram stories. They just get people to sign up by sending a PayPal link. It's very informal, but it works. So I'm not saying that you have to do this. For me, again, it was very important to feel like I was embodying being a mindset coach. So yeah, that's how I did. That's how I prepped. I would say the morning of, I well, I definitely tried to get sleep the night before so I didn't have like dark eye circles. And then... I'm trying to think what I did that morning. Oh, I got my hair blown out. And then that's when the makeup artist came. And then this kind of goes back to ego is your ego likes familiarity. So instead of, and, and anxiety comes from being unfamiliar with something or uncertain. So I knew if I don't do things that I'm certain about today, I will probably get anxiety about this photo shoot. And I don't really get a lot of anxiety, but photo shoots are just weird. You know what I mean? They're like, you just go through these ups and downs of like, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. Is this going to look self-serving? Am I going to look like I'm a wannabe, whatever? And so in order to just eliminate those thoughts, I was like, well, just do things you would normally do. So I went to a coffee shop. I got a coffee. I walked around. I just went about my day as usual, basically up until the photo shoot had to come. So from there, I packed a little suitcase. It wasn't big at all. It was actually just a duffel bag of all the outfits I wanted to wear, all the props that I bought, etc. And then I always... I definitely would recommend bringing extra so that you can decide, okay, wait, I don't want that anymore. I want to go with a different outfit or I actually think this would look better. Just have options. And yeah, I think that's it. I really don't, I'm not a big formally, uh, process person in terms of like prepping for this type of stuff. I know people that have insane prep and I will say it's, I would recommend coming with like at least a Pinterest board and a shot list so that you're not wasting your time there. Because remember, what's in your head doesn't translate over to the person. So just because I say, oh, I want to get a shot in the water, what does that actually mean? You need to show them and you need to write that down on your shot list of like, okay, yeah, we're going to go shoot today at the beach. We have to get this shot. Here's what it looks like. Then you're not wasting time. You know exactly what you're doing. So that's why I prep. Someone else about dating here. This is going to be a whole separate podcast, I think, because I haven't talked about dating here and there's a lot of different reasons. One being that the beginning of my dating life here was horrendous. I was just going all the time, making completely reckless decisions, talking to guys way younger than me, just being an idiot. 
And then I went into dating someone that I really liked and it ended pretty abruptly and I was pretty sad about it for a while. And then I moved into not dating at all, like not even thinking about males, like completely focused on my business, wasn't on Tinder, wasn't out, wasn't on apps, literally doing absolutely nothing. And now that I'm back out in society, I would say, and readjusting, I am trying to date again. So I'm kind of on dating apps and I'm I'm feeling it out again. I haven't been on them in so long. And so it's a bit all over the place with deciding how I want to use them. So yeah, there's a whole, a whole world to talk about there because that's another part of dating here is like people are on different visas. We're in the middle of COVID where borders are closed. You can't just be traveling around. People have different perceptions of, of different nationalities. And I can tell you right now, America is not being shown or regarded in the highest light at all, which I don't think is surprising. But yeah, there's just a lot that goes into dating and recognizing people's backgrounds and cultures and lifestyles. And yes, I'm all about energy, but there is something to be said about, oh, if you date this type of person, there it comes with this type of lifestyle. Or if you do this, you're going to do this. I don't even know. There's a lot that goes into it. That's why I'm trying not to get too into dating here. I think I'll just do a whole separate podcast on that. But let's just say it has been very up and down. I actually do not like Aussie accents. I like British accents. I like English boys, I've decided. And yeah, we'll, we'll go from there next time. So yeah, let me know if you have any questions. Hopefully this was helpful. I know there's a lot of rambling going on. I am in a totally different headspace than I was even six months ago. There's so much going on inside my head. So much I want to create and do and bring to you guys. So sometimes these podcasts are just like stream of consciousness, but I hope it was helpful. If you want to do the masterclass, which is next week, there are two spots left. Like I said, you can go to the link in my bio at Chelsea Rife. You can shoot me a DM there. You can actually just sign up from there. If you need a replay, it will be available. But after that, the investment is going to go up. So I would try to get in this round so you don't have to pay for the higher investment replay. And then there will be a course. So I will announce more about the course next week. I will say that there are already seven people verbally committed and about five that have paid the deposit i'm only going to take on either 10 to 15 i really don't want to do it bigger than that so if you are interested let me know but i will drop more details next week after the master class my focus this week is going to be the master class and creating value for that so yeah shoot me a dm holler at me hello at my non-expertopinion.com at chelsea rife at non-expertopinion pod in my non-expert opinion, I already said that. See, I'm losing my mind. So we got to wrap this up. Thanks guys for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And we will chat next week.